Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim half the bookshelf by discussing books written by about women. And today I am talking to disability activist Alice Wong, who is the editor of Disability Visibility, first person stories from the 21st century, which is out now from Vintage. For full transcript of this episode, you can check out the show notes or head over to readingwomenpodcast.com and be sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, We actually recorded this interview on the day that Alice's book launched, so Disability Visibility's birthday, and it was really a delight to interview her. And there was definitely an air of celebratory cheer. And at the time that this interview goes up, uh, just as a heads up, Alice's launch party is going to be uh, July 25th, I believe. There's a great event there. So I will link that in the show notes and any other upcoming events that the publicist has uh, updated me on will be in the show notes. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Alice about this book and also getting some insight into how she really wanted to include disabled creators on all the different steps of the project. So for example, many of you know, I primarily listen via audiobook and the narrator, Alejandra Ospina, uh, they narrated the audiobook and they are also a person with a disability. So I really appreciated that and learning more about the process of how She brought together all of these amazing contributors for the essay collection. It's one of the most diverse and intersectional essay collections that I have ever read. There are uh, disabled people of color and queer people and trans people, non-binary people. There's even an essay by a Muslim disabled person who is writing about the intersections of their religion and their identity as a disabled person. And I really appreciated seeing all these different experiences. Some were very similar to mine. Some were totally different to mine. There were also people with disabilities, had visible disabilities, and people like me who have invisible disabilities. And I just was astounded by how great this collection was. And I didn't really realize how much I needed it until I read it. So a little bit about Alice before we jump into the interview. Um, Alice Wong is a disabled activist, media maker, and consultant. She is the founder and director of the Disability Visibility Project, an online community dedicated to creating, sharing, and amplifying disability media and culture, and it was created in 2014. Currently, Alice is the editor of Disability Visibility, the collection we're talking about today, which is an anthology of essays by disabled people, which came out on June 30th when this was recorded. All right, so let's just jump into the interview of my conversation with Alice Wong. So, well, welcome, Alice, to the podcast. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much, Kendra. I am delighted to be here. And today is the launch of the book as well, which I didn't realize until last night. Um, but Disability Visibility uh, releases today. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's a thing. It's quite a, it's quite a thing. You know, I'm just still kind of processing it and just trying to enjoy it. Yeah, I've, I've seen so many great posts today going around and just seeing it everywhere. And that's always a joy to see. I think I think book birthdays are pretty special. The first question I had for you today is about, about the book. So the title of the book, Disability Visibility, shares the name with your Disability Visibility Project, uh, which you founded. So what is that project and how did it come to be? Thank you for asking. Uh- 
So the Disability Visibility Project started in 2014. And, you know, it's interesting that this, the timing of our conversation, because we're about to approach the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act this July. And I started the project actually as a one-year choral history campaign to record stories by disabled people in the lead-up to the 25th anniversary of the ADA in 2015, July 26th. So at that time, you know, I think there were a lot of disability organizations getting ready to celebrate and, you know, do something to mark this occasion. And I was just, you know, one person. I just, you know, wanted to myself, like, what can I do? What's, what's my contribution? And, you know, one thing that's always bothered me is that, you know, number one, we don't see enough stories about disabled people by disabled people. And also, I don't think there's enough uh, disability history that's known by the general public. And I really wanted to have an effort to, to think about disability history now, not just, you know, way back when, you know. And I think, you know, all of us are creating history every day. You know, it's not just about these iconic figures or, you know, super famous people or big accomplishments. So I formed a community partnership with StoryCorps, which is an oral history nonprofit. And just started like interviewing amazing friends of mine, you know, people that I thought are super cool and just wanted a chance to, you know, share a story with them. And I was going to use social media. And I want to just encourage, like, people all over, and it kind of snowballed. So starting in 2014, this project was just going to be a one-year, you know, collecting stories, and it really resonated. You know, people, I think, have a hunger to tell their own stories, and uh, StoryCorps has a relationship with the Library of Congress. So each participant has the option to do archive their story at the Library of Congress. So that to me is really exciting too, is that not just that we're telling our stories, but we're creating a body of work that's going to be, you know, there forever for future generations and that can be accessed by the public. So as of 2020, we have approximately a little bit over 140 oral histories and in addition to oral histories, we are uh, of a community to, dedicated to, to creating, sharing, and to amplify disability media culture through a podcast, through blog posts, Twitter chats, you know, all kinds of ways. Oh, that's that's really fabulous. And, you know, I, I really love the title of Disability Visibility because, you know, like you say in the very first paragraph of your introduction that you don't realize what's, what's, what's missing because you don't see it. And you don't even realize that you're thirsting and, and for your own types of stories until you, until you read them. And that's something that I definitely felt when reading this collection. And I felt 
seen in a lot of ways that I had I had really never read essays like these before, and it just made me realize about how much that was something that I needed to see. And I really love that the idea that there's even more oral histories from from your disability visibility project as well. Thank you for that. And I feel like uh, you know, being seen is not always. It doesn't mean that it has to be a mirror image. You know, I think some people feel like you know, being seen means. You need a literal, exact same representation, and I feel like that's, you know, partially true. But I also think that me seeing is also about this kind of similar lived experience. And I think people with disabilities they range in such different types. You know, there's such diversity in the types of disabilities and just the ways people live. But I think something, you know, there's a lot of commonality in terms of just the, you know, living with a different way of being and how that really does challenge the status quo. And I really do hope that all kinds of people with disabilities, whether they have invisible disabilities or, you know, all kinds that are just, you know, whether they read somebody that's in the book that with or without their exact, you know, same diagnosis or the same kind of disability, I hope they do find something there for that. Yeah, there's so many different kinds of representation in this book. It's one of the most intersectional essay collections that I have ever read. But how did you end up turning the Disability Visibility Project into an essay collection? Well, you know, I thought, what are different ways of kind of getting our work out? And I think, you you know, I do have a blog, I have guest writers, I have a podcast. These are things that, you know, I could generate on my own or in partnership with other people. But I think having a book is a little bit different as well. It's just another way to reach a different audience. You know, I feel like a book sometimes, I still feel a little conflicted about it. You know, kind of the sense of what does it mean to have a book and what is the privilege of having a book by, you know, a major publisher. I think this is, you know, this was another kind of step, I think, toward extending, you know, what I believe in and what I care about. And, you know, I just want to kind of create as many different forms and kind of formats of ways of telling our stories. And books really do matter. And I think... Having a book is uh, significant, and that's another reason why I went this route in terms of just putting together a collection of essays that either original for this anthology specifically, but also collecting work that's been published within the last 20 years, because I really wanted to present a sample of what's the latest and really embrace and capture this moment. Yeah, and it's really interesting because, you know, I struggle, I can't really read print most of the time, uh, and so I use the audiobook to listen to this book, and so even though it went to print, it also went back to audio as well. And the way that you're able to reach so many people with this collection, because the different formats, you know, uh, you know, I've listened to your podcast and, you know, listened to this essay collection and there's just so many more resources. And 
And for someone like me, who I feel like for much of my life is starving for resources, I appreciate having all of those different formats so that it is accessible in all of these different ways and all these different stories. And I think you really just made something really special. And I realize I'm just going to gush about this collection, like the whole interview, but it really, it really is something. It's funny because uh, I just, you know, this is my experience, but like, you know, fortunately on a book, I didn't really share too much or was very public about the process. And I, you know, I just wanted to, you know, keep my head down and just, you know, work on it and be kind of surprise the world with it. And it's just really nice to hear that because I think, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what the response would be. But I do know that, you know, this is a set of stories that I personally love and uh, reflects a lot of what I care about. It, uh, it reflects what I think are important issues, you know, issues and cultures and ideas that I feel uh, really need to be amplified. And, you know, I want everybody to know about this. And I think that's that was really the intention of how I selected these stories. And, you know, just to get back to access, uh, as a process, continuing with this book, I thought about what are some other ways of making this book accessible? And I just uh, published today on my website a plain language summary by a disabled writer named Sarah Ludwig. I commissioned Sarah to write a plain language version of the book because there are a lot of people with different kinds of disabilities who process information a little differently. And, you know, some writing can be very dense. And having plain language is a form of access that I don't think is talked about enough. And I've learned from other people. I've learned from people with learning disabilities, people with intellectual and cognitive disabilities, that plain language is absolutely the key to reaching all kinds of people. So I'm really excited to have this free resource on my website that's, you know, any reader can access as well. So, and I guess I also have, a, in thinking about this book and how to kind of make the most of it, you know, kind of just leverage this book to create more opportunities for conversation and reflection. I have a play language version, and I also hired another disabled writer, Naomi Ortiz, to create a discussion guide. So I really do hope that these resources can help all kinds of people to really uh, engage with the material. It also provides a way to, whether they, somebody can afford the book or not, you know, can also access the book in a different way. You know, those are ways to make the book accessible that, that I hadn't thought of. And I think that's incredible that, you know, this is definitely a group project and so many people, so many uh, disabled people are involved in making this book, whether it's making it accessible or contributing or helping along the way. As you were gathering contributors for the essay collection, uh, what were some of the things that you were keeping in mind as how you wanted the essay collection to look as a whole? And how did you find the different contributors uh, who have come on board and written pieces or have pieces featured in the collection? Well, you know, I think the original 
idea of a 21st century stories. You know, I think what I've done uh, just informally over the years has been reading a lot and bookmarking uh, so many great stories that I just, you know, I'm a fan of. And I think this is just at the heart of kind of who I am is just a fan and a supporter of all of us in the visibility community. I've just been, uh, you know, really the last, I think, five to ten years, see this huge kind of, like, growth and, you know, outpouring of writing by disabled people. And, you know, it's just been really exciting to see. And, you know, over the years, I've seen different essays, different blog posts, you know, different kinds of work that I just feel really blown away by. You know, it was hard to kind of narrow it down to these, you know, pieces, but I feel like it's also a good kind of, you know, narrowing down of certain ideas and certain kind of representation that I really, really wanted. You know, for example, I think, you know, one thing the readers may kind of clearly see is that there are, I think, you know, a significant portion of contributors who are disabled people of color, uh, you know, multiply marginalized disabled people. And, you know, this just comes from my own experience as a disabled Asian American woman in the sense that, you know, for so long, the default, you know, mainstream, I'm using air quotes, you know, mainstream representation has been pretty white, you know, and, you know, white disabled, uh, usually, you know, the kind of typical, uh, Disabilities most people are familiar with, you know, like blind folks, deaf folks, yeah, people with, you know, wheelchair users. But this really, you know, it's, it, it's not enough. It's, it doesn't really capture all of the breadth of the huge variation. And I think, you know, that's something that was really important to me. And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. The sponsor of this episode is Black Swan of Paris by Karen Robards. Celebrated singer Genevieve Dumont is both a star and a smokescreen. An unwilling darling of the Nazis, her position of privilege allows her to go undetected as an ally to the resistance. When her mother is captured by the Nazis, Genevieve knows it won't be long before the Gestapo succeeds in torturing information out of her mother that will derail the upcoming Allied invasion. Reuniting with her long-lost sister, she must find a way to navigate the perilous cross-currents of occupied France undetected and in time to save her mother's life. A thrilling novel about a celebrated singer in World War II occupied France who joins the resistance to save her estranged family from being killed in a German invasion. This book is for fans of the Alice Network and the Lost Girls of Paris. You can find Black Swan of Paris available now in print, ebook, and audio. And thanks so much to the Black Swan of And thanks so much to Black Swan of Paris for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, and I was going through in my notes and marking 
just the different intersections that are covered a lot in each essay and doing like a little summary as I look back through, I can see that. And there are people, uh, like you said, people of color, there are trans people, non-binary people, people, queer people. There's even an essay about a Muslim person who talks about, you know, how their religion interacts with their disability. And I was just so impressed with the wide range of representation and stories. And I think when you, you know, think about how, more air quotes traditional representation are able-bodied people telling our stories when you have all of these first person stories from a wide range of experiences it truly illustrates how there are so many different kinds of disabled experiences uh, and just a wide range of experiences to, to listen to and to understand but also to celebrate because there's such a wide range of creatives in here and artists and people doing all sorts of kinds of things. And I just really appreciated that each new essay brought something new to the table and made you think about something new and how disability is and how, you know, we've traditionally seen, you know, that kind of representation. Yeah, and I feel like uh, I wrote about this in my introduction, but, you know, this is really not disability what I want. You know, I just see, did a lot of different kinds of works where, there are stories where people are explaining their, you know, what it's like to live with XYZ. And we see those kind of work, you know, we see those kinds of stories. And I think those are, you know, clearly necessary. But, you know, I wanted to kind of raise the bar and say, like, what are people doing? What are they passionate about? What's, you know, what are their, you know, what do they care about? And I really wanted us to kind of, like, advance the ideas of what disability stories are like or what disability culture is like. I mean, not everybody in this book is really going into details about their disability. It's about just their work, their, you know, their drive, you know, just other things that they're doing. And I think in doing that, that's also very important. Continuing in that vein, one of the things that I really loved about this collection is that it does center the experience of people with disabilities. And you say in your introduction, you may be unfamiliar with some of the terms or uncomfortable with some uh, ideas represented in this book. And that's a good thing. These stories do not seek to explain the meaning of disability or to inspire or elicit empathy. Rather, they show disabled people simply being, in our own words, by our own accounts. Disability visibility is also one part of the larger arc in my own story as a human being. And I really appreciated that because I think, you know, all of us with disabilities are constantly, I feel like, you know, trying to root out our own internalized ableism and, and decenter the the perspective of the able-bodied person and how we interact with the world. And I loved how the center of these stories is always the, the person with the disability and their life experiences. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of, of centering the stories of disabled people and how, you know, in a sense that's revolutionary, though you feel like at this point in our you know, series of events it shouldn't be, but it, it very much still is. It absolutely is. And I think it's still, it's a little sad that it's kind of seen as a radical or a revolutionary because, you know, I think we've seen a lot of efforts by all kinds of groups, all kinds of marginalized groups to really 
you know, claim themselves and celebrate themselves and, you know, center themselves. I think, you know, it's way overdue for so many of us. And I think, now, you know, the challenges are still there because, you know, ableism is embedded in everything we see and everything we do. And, you know, it's very hard to kind of resist those forces. And, you know, this is why I think community is so powerful in the sense that we realize we're not alone, we're part of this bigger thing that's, you know, outside of our individual selves, and that there is something about gathering together or, you know, having a space. And I feel like books are a way to carve out that space in the literary world and that expands to you know, greater kind of cultural, cultural spaces. And, you know, this is something that I think is part of a history of, you know, work by other disabled and deaf writers as well. This, you know, this is not the first, but it's definitely, you know, in line with a lot of work that's been out there for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But it hopefully is, you know, presenting something that's, unique to this time and you know I think it is still I don't want it to see it as an anomaly I definitely want this to be you know uh, I think we need more of this definitely and I think it's this is the exciting thing is that hopefully people will see this book and you know there will be a demand for more books like this or more work like this because uh this is just the beginning, and I really do hope that anybody who's listening, who's an editor or a publishing or producing a media, just, you know, think about this, that the audience is, you know, sometimes, I think, as you know, sometimes people get told, like, there's no market for this, there's no audience, you know, like, why be so narrow, or why, you know, why make it just about disability? And I think this is where you know, we have to challenge these assumptions because uh, the people who are still in power, if we think about just the traditional, you know, publishing world, is, you know, still, you know, very much centered on the non-disabled, white, heterosexist kind of lens. And this is why, you know, in 2020, we do have so many people creating their own work whether it's self-publishing, blogging, podcasting that are really not going through these traditional routes. And I feel like, you know, we could do both. You know, we should do both. You know, we should have as many different options as possible. And also to push the people who do have the privilege, who do have the power to also kind of wake up and kind of see what they're missing. That's definitely something that I felt a lot about this year on on Reading Women. We have a yearly reading challenge. And since I am a, have a disabling chronic illness, I've always included some facet of that on the challenge prompt. So this year is just a more general, you know, read a book, you know, by a woman with a disability. And it's been kind of shocking to see how many, you know, DMs that we've received, like, this prompt is so hard you know, basically you can infer like, why would you have this on there? And I, 
they don't assume that the person reading the message is the person with the disability, and that's why it's on there. And they don't even seem to think through that at all. They just assume that it's going to be another able-bodied person because I guess they can't imagine someone with a disability doing something. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what's going through their mind, but... Yeah, I don't, don't either. I mean, that's the thing, too. That's, you know, so kind of sad, right? Like, you know, I think there's also this weird assumptions about what kind of stories make good stories. You know, I think, again, there's a lot of these kind of tropes, you know, these kind of like inspirational kind of like overcoming stories that are very typical. I think people think that that's the kind of typical story that they're going to find from disabled people, that how do they overcome their disability, or how do they, what kind of life lessons can a a non-disabled person give to be, you know, to to be more appreciative or, you know, to have empathy for the less fortunate. You know, these are just really kind of the things that I see a lot of publishers create because I think that's what they think, you know, non-disabled readers want. And I think, you know, again, they're not really uh, going for the authentic, you know, what what is it like? You know, what do disabled people want from the, the stories that are supposed to be about them? And I think, you know, this is, again, why we need disabled editors, disabled people publishing to really kind of have that eye for the work that's out there because, you know, there's just so much to us that's still uh, adult and undiscovered and I want to bring in as many people, but again, you know, centering it on us, but to bring in as many kinds of people into our world, into our experiences. Yeah, it's the whole, whole thing of how the disabled person has to be an inspiration for all the non-disabled people. And, you know, I, I always read books and there's always, you know, if there is a person with a disability, they're usually to the side and like inspiring the main protagonist to be a better person and like all this stuff. But I really love the collection because it does have 37 protagonists telling their own story and having these experiences. At the end of your introduction, you have uh, a paragraph directed to the non-disabled readers of this book, and you have a challenge, which I really appreciate. It just says, uh, how many disabled creators do you know of? How can you support their work, whether it's a podcast, novel, play, video, or blog? How are you widening your horizons? And I think that is an excellent challenge because I think oftentimes people don't realize that they aren't really following many people with disabilities on their social media, or they're not, you know, supporting content from uh, disabled creators. And I really appreciate the way that you included that challenge, because I think it's just something to start to start that thought process and kind of move them forward a little bit. Yeah, I really want people to like, I really want to encourage people, like, after reading the book, to want to seek more. I just... You know, this is not the end process of, you know, reading the book from the back. If they even do read the book from the back. But, uh, you know, I was also intentional of not only a call to action, but, you know, at the back of the book, I created a list of resources and additional reading 
because a lot of the contributors have published a lot of other incredible work. And also, you know, clearly because I could have, you know, easily put in 50, 100 people, but that's impossible. So, uh, you know, I included other books that's been, you know, published recently or just books that I think, you know, uh, would be great to kind of follow up with. So I really do want to leave people excited and encouraged to seek out more. And I really want people to reflect, you know, think about, especially with with the current conversations about Black Lives Matter and also the really diverse books movement, you know, everybody needs to decolonize their bookshelves and to really kind of think about, like, why don't I read more works by indigenous people? Why don't I read more works by black and brown people? You know, I think, why don't I have people with disabilities on my bookshelf? You know, I think that's hopefully a good, you know, move toward a greater kind of understanding that, you know, wow, there are kind of different ways of being and understanding the world. You know, I I really love the resources in the back. And I have, you know, this authors with disabilities wish list. And when I started reading your collection, I, I realized I was missing so many different things. So I actually went and spent a ridiculous amount of money uh, buying all of these books. Uh, not all of the ones that are listed, but a lot of them. And especially the ones with audio, since I, I can't really read print. But I like to make notes in them. Mm-hmm the print version if I can. So I like to use them in tandem like I did this time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a great resource. And I just went on and I have a great stack of books. I'm ready for July to like Yay. make a new <laughs> impromptu uh, disability uh, reading list for July. So that's exciting. And that's what it's all about. You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is important to me is that this book doesn't just benefit me. It's just... To also really, you know, put a spotlight on some really amazing work that's out there, and that's, you know, hopefully people will also support it, like the way you did. And I feel like this is just, you know, another reason why, you know, having your book is also this huge privilege and opportunity. And I just wanted to expand as much, you know, work out there that's out there that's to get more attention. So that's kind of. The other kind of, you know, hidden agenda. <laughs> well, the week that this interview comes out, so if everyone's listening, the week that this comes out, um, over on our social media, we'll be featuring disabled authors um, all that week in celebration of the interview. And I believe your book launch uh, event online is also at the end of that week somewhere around there so we'll make sure to include links to that in our show notes but if you want more recommendations definitely go check those out because all of them that i looked up so far are in the back of of your book so i'm really excited about that we're just gonna have a great week really well thank you and i think that's really exciting that you're having a whole series of different books that you're highlighting and that hopefully your audience will be super excited and they're going to go on their own adventures and that, you know, we keep on kind of moving this forward and we're doing it together. You know, you and I and uh, so many other people, we're all doing this as a collective movement. And that to me is how we're going to change the culture. We're going to do it together, not by 
these individual acts, but it is important of one another. Yes. And I, I feel like I could chat with you about these books and about all sorts of topics around disability forever, but I don't want to keep you too much. This is a day of celebration and um, I'm sure you have lots of other uh, things to do today. But before you go, I did want to ask, are there any books that maybe you're reading now or that you've had your eye on by disabled authors that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, there's one coming out this October by an amazing artist. Her name is Riva Lair. L-E-H-E-R. She has a memoir coming out this October called Golem Girl. G-O-L-E-M-G-I-R-L. I I got to know Riva mainly through social media and we became friends, but she is an amazing portrait artist. Like Portraits are her thing and uh, she has a great memoir coming out in October. So People should definitely check it out, and uh, maybe you can have her on your podcast one day. Oh, that would be really cool. I will definitely add it to my list to have. I have now this whole brand new shelf because of all the resources that you've put in the back of this book, which are, again, amazing. Yeah, so I feel like I am... I am set for further reads. And again, I really appreciate you putting this collection together, which really, um, in a lot of ways, kind of jump starts your journey a little bit and reading all of these different and listening to all these different voices. Well, thank you so much for reading it and, you know, for having me on this podcast. And I really do appreciate this chance to share my story. I would like to thank Alice Wong for talking to me today about her book, Disability Visibility, which is out now from Vintage. Uh, You can find Alice on Twitter at SFDireWolf and at DisVisibility and on her website, DisabilityVisibilityProject.com. And of course, all of her socials and her website will be linked in our show notes. I'd also like to say a special thank you to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. You can find Reading Women at readingwomenpodcast.com and on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. You can find me at Katie Winchester. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.